Hey everyone, you tuned in to the Lead Generation Lab podcast, the science of real estate agent marketing, brought to you by Omega Title, Movement Mortgage, and MVP Realty. Come on, let's go. Welcome everyone once again to the Lead Generation Lab podcast, the science of real estate agent marketing. I am Anthony Bermudez, your host, and I stumbled upon some guy along the way. Hi. <laughs> Hello. Derek Carlson. <laughs> it is so good to be back, Anthony. <laughs> always. Oh, I'm fired up. Always, man. And I think uh, I always think about this scenario for myself, and maybe a lot of agents have come up to you about it, but one of the things I always thought for myself as an agent is that just mastering a farming a community, I think that's probably one of the better ways to start yeah. when you're trying to learn the deal of the real estate, right? No better way to do it, but just focus on one community at a time, right? Uh, there's a lot of benefits, Anthony, on, on being able to uh, farm a neighborhood, being able to go after a geographic area um, that we're going to dive deep into today. But I mean, right now, a lot of agents assume that the best uh, neighborhood to farm to go after is the one they live in. That may or may not be the case. Uh, my goal today is to bring the science of what my mindset is on what you should be doing to go after a neighborhood, right. regardless if you live in the neighborhood or not. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So getting into um, the topic here of, uh, of a geographic farm. Now, now, first of all, why should everybody, why should all the realtors be trying to get listed? We've heard it uh, forever and ever as real estate agents you got a list to last. Uh, that's true. I truly believe that listings are the foundation of our entire real estate industry. And, and I'm, I'm going to say something that's probably unpopular, but it's the truth. The listing agents are the employee, employer, sorry. The listing agents are the employer and the buyer's agents are the employee. See, without the listings, on our marketplace, so what would the buyer's agents have to sell? Nothing. Nothing. So, and I will tell you this, once you figure out how to get more listings in your por portfolio, automatically your numbers are gonna increase. Why? Leverage. Leverage. Um, there is such a tremendous amount of leverage with listings that you just don't get as a buyer's agent. Mm -hmm. So for example, I get a brand new listing. That listing has a for sale sign out there. That listing goes into Zillow, Truly, or Realtor.com, all the various websites where buyers are looking at that listing. Now, buyers are going to call me off of that sign, mm -hmm. and buyers are going to call me from the online marketing that I do for that listing. That's, a, that's leverage. That's a residual effect that you have one asset, and you're trying to get more assets from it. Another thing, you do an open house at your listing. All the nosy neighbors come over. Gives you an opportunity to talk to them about selling their house. Mm -hmm. So it's a great, great form of leverage. Um, the other thing that I think that, as I mentioned, is not only a great form of leverage with taking that one asset and trying to make money, it is a huge, huge opportunity to leverage your time. Now, let me tell you this. How many, how many hours a day do you have, Anthony? Oh, I have 24. Okay, I have 24 too. Remarkable, right? Yeah. The reality of it is, is we all have 24 hours a day. And I see agents struggle. Um, some agents that will sell four homes a year. They're so stressed out, they're panicky, they, they're working 80 hours a week to sell four houses. I know people and, and real estate agents that sell 100 homes a year mm -hmm. that never work a weekend. They put in their 40 to 42 hours, 
They're out, out, uh, at home at 5.30 every night. And just, yeah. It's easy peasy. No stress because they have a system. But more importantly, they're probably the majority of the homes they close are on the listing side. Because I want you to put it, I want to put it this way. When you show a property to a buyer, okay, from the, think about this. Let's go right through this. From the time the buyer requests more information to look at a property. They might be in Massachusetts. They're on your website. They found your ad. Well, first of all, you had to create the ad. Mm -hmm. You had to write that Craigslist post. You had to put that ad in Facebook Marketplace for them to find you. So that took time, right? Right. The second thing is, is uh, they had to fly down here. But you know what? They don't come down here right away. You might have to incubate that that buyer by literally um, following up with them for three to six months before they buy. Right. Right? There's more time involved. Then they come down here and, you know, most buyer's agents think, oh, I'm just going to show them four properties. That never happens. You end up showing them 25 different properties. They That's lose true. out on a couple. <laughs> They back out on right, a couple. Right, right, right. They yeah. happen, and now, now, when you finally get them into a property, that job's not even done then. Um, you have to get them a, a financing. You have to get them a home inspection. Mm -hmm. You gotta, you gotta just deal with all this stuff during the contract closing. Right. So it's very common, very common, to spend days, weeks, months with a buyer. Let's talk about the listing side. Listing side, you send out your or call the expired listing, or call the FISBO, whatever it is. Uh, you farm a neighborhood, the phone rings, you get yourself into a listing appointment. Now, if you know how to handle all the objections that might come your way from that seller, more than likely you're gonna walk out of that property with the listing agreement signed. Um, how long does that take? Does it take three days? Are you in that listing agent's home for, uh, the, the seller's home for three days? Are you in that seller's home for a month, two months, trying to get paid? No. You're in there for maybe an hour, mm -hmm. maybe. Mm -hmm. Then you take that listing agreement, you go back to your office, you hire the photographer, the sign person comes out, delivers that, you create some great brochures, maybe have those dropped off, and then it goes into the MLS. And if it's priced right, you're probably gonna have it under contract within a week or two. Mm -hmm. A week or two tops, and guess what? The buyer agent made the same amount of money on that deal as the listing agent. Right. But this person spent a couple hours of their time versus days, weeks, or months on the buyer's agent side. Right. No, and, I, and you know, and I think one thing I wanted to add to that was that one element about dealing with a buyer agent or buyers in general is that you don't have any contractual agreement with them. No. Meaning that the fact you can go there and show them houses all weekend, and next thing you know, they're gonna they see an ad online, they click on new it, they register. Yeah, they, go to, they, they go to new construction right. buy without you. Whereas the listing agent, if you're able to get a listing, they just can't just hop around. They're yeah. stuck with you and be able to work with you for X amount of time. And I think most realtors will go to the buyer's agent side because honestly, I mean, again, honestly, there's less skill sets needed to be a buyer's agent. I mean, let's face it, you unlock the door, and, and I always laugh because, you know, a buyer's agent, and I was one, and, and, and loved the buyer agent, the Me too. buyer agent side, you were as well. Um, you unlock the door, and you're like, this is the kitchen. Mm -hmm. Well, no shit, it's a kitchen. I could see the stove. Yeah, right, right. So there's a sense of value. I mean, the, the buyer's agent's real value is finding the property for the person and then negotiating a great deal. That's it. Um, but most of the time, the buyer knows what they want. They know if they want a single family. They know where they have to live in this school zone. They usually know what they want. Um, 
But on the flip side, to be a listing agent, you got to be able to handle objections. You got to be able to crush it on um, the listing appointment. You got to be able to have the confidence to pick up the phone and go after expired listings, FISBOs, or the farmer neighborhood, right? Yeah. It takes a different skill set, but I will tell you this the income you can make is night and day. I have met the top buyer's agent in our area, and I have met the top listing agent. And their income, that listing agent's income shadows um, the buyer's agent. I'm talking about hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars versus the top buyer agent in this area making probably 150 a year, Mm. like five times or six times. Right. Um, But with that said, so if you want to get into being a listing agent to farm and dominate a, a neighborhood, you definitely want to work on your skill sets. And the beauty of this, Anthony, is... Heck, there's so many podcasts, videos, PDFs out there, blogs that any agent can read. Listen, there's uh, there's never a lack of resources. There's always a lack of resourcefulness in our industry. Right. None of the, what we're talking about is brand new. Right. It's just about being consistent with it, learning it, and taking action. So mm-hmm. now, understanding the neighborhood, right? You got to understand that when you when you're when you want to farm a neighborhood. It's, the word farming came up with one concept, one idea. You're planting seeds now, right, in that neighborhood. You're, you're, you're farming, you're, you're, you're planting those seeds, you're investing your time and money now with the hopes that your consistent effort will pay off down the road. That's basically where the term farming came from, planting those seeds. Um, a couple of little tidbits that I will give you is that, listen, Farming is one of those things that you're not going to get instant results. Just like if you put a seed in the ground right now, do you think that you're going to get a fruit the next day? No. You got to water it. You got to work it. You got to you got to uh, fertilize it, right? You got to do so many things to get that reward several months down the road when the harvest comes, right? Same concept when it comes to farming in the neighborhood. Now listen, if you go down this path, and we're going to get into some details here, if you go down this path and start a farm, don't quit. That's where agents make a mistake. They'll go in, they'll buy postcards for two, three months. They'll send out uh, several hundred dollars of postcards. Because the phone didn't ring and they didn't see instant gratification, mm-hmm. they quit. Well, you might as well not even start. To get any results, I need you to commit to six months of what we're going to go over. And after six months, you can sit back, look at the results, and then make a decision whether you want to go to a different neighborhood or you want to continue. But you got to give it at least six months. Do not quit because guess what? Somebody else will harvest your farm. Make adjustments, not excuses. I hear all the excuses in the book of why it's not working. Remember, your farm is your referral engine and consistency will allow you to stay top of mind so when they are ready to sell their home in that neighborhood, you will be one of the handful Mm -hmm. of realtors that they call. Location's obviously key when it comes to choosing your farm and I'm going to go into that in a little bit more details. Um, at the end of the day, you want to become, as the neighborhood expert, you want to become a resource for all of the homeowners in that neighborhood. They are going to be looking to you just like I would be looking to a stockbroker or an advisor. Mm-hmm. They're going to be looking to you for all things real estate in their neighborhood. you got to visit your farm regularly and talk to the people. Now, again, I cannot stress this enough. Farming is not instant money it's about building relationships and if you build enough relationships the rewards will be there i promise you that now maintenance is an essential ingredient to farming success now let's get into some of the science behind it choosing the right farm first thing you can should consider when you're determining 
what neighborhood to go after is proximity. You got to make sure it's close enough that you can relate to the people who live there. So I'll give you an example. I live in North Naples and there's a bunch of homes for sale in North Naples, neighborhood after neighborhood after neighborhood. Well, if I had a choice to farm a neighborhood in South Naples, which is about a 40 minute drive, there's great neighborhoods down there. Mm -hmm. Somebody's going to make a lot of money down there. But it's not, even if it, even though it's in Naples, it's not within proximity where I don't understand the school systems down there. I don't understand the hot restaurants and where everybody hangs out. Frankly, I don't speak South Naples. And, and, it, and again, it sounds funny because, you know, yeah, is there a difference between North Naples and South Naples? Absolutely. And so, and here's the other thing. Do I really want to drive 40 minutes one way to drop off signs or brochures mm -hmm. when there's a neighborhood that is literally three minutes from my house? No. So proximity, you should choose a neighborhood that you understand the culture, the playgrounds, the parks, the restaurants everybody's talking about. Mm -hmm. And number one. And number two, you should live within proximity so it's easy to get in and out of. This, uh, farming your neighborhood shouldn't be a chore. It should be just part of your day-to-day -day life. Where you're, where you're in there with the homeowners and you understand their culture. Now, I believe that the best way to find the neighborhood that you want to farm is using the statistics from the MLS, okay? There's certain things that you need to look for. Now, again, a lot of you are gonna be like, oh, I'm gonna farm the neighborhood I live in. What if your neighborhood that you live in is a dog with fleas, has high HOAs, and hasn't had a closed sale in nine months. Right. Well, I see what you're saying. Yeah. So reality is, is that that's going to cost you money. Right. Postcards, a little mini website. Why would you spend money on something that already has an uphill battle? Right. Okay. So what I do is when I when I study the neighborhoods that I'm going to go after, this is the science behind it. I give myself the best optimal uh, situation possible. I put myself in the best position to get the W. Right. So let me go over that with you. So what do I look for? I look for neighborhoods that have a 10% turnover ratio every year. So what does that mean? There's a neighborhood, let's say, Saturnia Lakes in Naples, Florida. It's in North Naples. It has 550 homes in Saturnia Lakes. A good, healthy neighborhood is one that has at least 10% of those homes in that neighborhood turn over every year. Right. So in this particular case, 10% of 550 55. is 55. Huh. So I look for that. So I look in the MLS the last year for closed sales mm -hmm. in Saturnia Lakes. Okay. What is it? Is it 40? Is it 55? Is it 75? The higher the number, the better. Right. But I always look for 10% because that, that means that things are turning in there. It's a nice, healthy neighborhood. There's been neighborhoods out there that I look in the MLS, they have 1,200 homes and they've only sold 12, 1% in the last year. It makes me wonder what's going on. Is there a lawsuit in the neighborhood? Is the HOAs too high where people are just saying, right. hey, uh, that's a problem. And so what happens is, is the longer these homes stay on the market, it's more market of money out of your pocket. Got it. More headaches from the seller wondering why their home has not sold. Why would you want to deal with that? Right. Go find a neighborhood that is healthy, right? Yeah. So that's the first thing. The second thing that I look at is active listings versus pending and sold listings. Basically, what I want to look at is sellers versus buyer, right? I'm looking at how many active listings are on the market right now mm -hmm. versus 
in the last six months, how many are pendant and closed. If I see something where there's a one-to-one -one ratio, so for example, there's five properties on the market right now mm -hmm. active, but between pendant and closed, five have gone off the books in the last six months. I like that. I like that. Here's what you don't want to see. You look in the MLS in the neighborhood, and there's 37 active listings. But in the last year, there's only been three sales. Mm. That is what? A 12 to 1 ratio Basically, of yeah. sellers versus buyers? I see it all the time. The agents come into my office, and they're like, oh, I'm so excited. I just got a, a listing in this neighborhood. And I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. And I look, and I don't tell them this, but I'm like, that's listing number 38. They've only had two closed sales in there in a year. Right. You know how long that's going to be on the market before? Right. So what happens is then you start seeing the game. Because there's only two sales in that neighborhood, the sellers are getting frustrated. A frustrated seller is the one that starts lowering their price. Right. Then everybody else starts lowering their price. And it still doesn't sell. Right? And it just it's not a good situation to have a ratio that there's so many active listings versus very few buyers. Right. On the flip side, there's a couple neighborhoods, and I won't mention them because a couple of my MVP realty agents will shoot me for pointing them out because I've already did it with them. There's a few neighborhoods that you go in and you look and there's two active listings, but in the last six months, they've sold 15 properties. Right. That's a seven to one buyer versus seller ratio. So think about this, agent comes to my office, I just got a new listing in one of those neighborhoods that I just talked about. Yeah. I'm like, congratulations, you probably have it under contract by next Tuesday. Right. Right? And look at your money's coming in quicker. Right. Versus the agent that has it sitting on the market for 295 days, and all they've been doing is getting beat up by a seller not understanding right. that there's a hell of a lot of competition in that And the agent not even realizing, looking at the stats and understanding that of the of the turnover ratio yeah. and the pendings versus active. Absolutely. I mean, you got to look at those things. I think the other thing to look at, too, is absorption rate. Absorption rate. Kind of goes hand in hand with the seller versus buyer situation that we just talked about, but absorption rate. Um Absorption rate is how fast are the properties being absorbed into the neighborhood. So, for example, uh, if I look at a situation and there's 24 active listings, but in the last year there is only two closed sales, do you know how many years it's going to take to absorb the current inventory before we even bring one more listing? Seriously. If you're only closing two a year and there's 24 on the market, 12 years. that's 12 years. Yeah. That's a 12-year absorption rate Got it. to ex exhaust the inventory. But you and I both know more properties are going to come on the market. Yeah. So something's going to break. And usually the thing that breaks is the price. Gets down to the ridiculous. Right. That the whole neighborhood's thrashed at that point where it drops 20 30% just to start moving some of the inventory. Yeah. But yeah, absorption rate is critical. Agents ask me all the time, well, Derek, what about competition? Like, I found a neighborhood, the turnover ratio is good, it's 10%. The buyer-seller ratio is one-to-one, -one, or in fact, there's more buyers than there are sellers, so that's good. The absorption rate is good. Um, but there's already a top dog in the neighborhood, a top realtor in the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Well, here was always my rule of thumb. First of all, don't assume somebody's a top dog. I heard it all the time. 
da 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 such and such is the top top realtor in Saturnia Lakes. All the time, yeah. And then you look and you're like, that person might get a lot of listings, but they've only sold two in the last year. They have 13 active listings and they've only sold two. So that tells me that they take overpriced listings, which means that person is getting beat on every month from the 12 or 13 people he hasn't sold about price reduction, price reduction, price reduction. There comes a point that that negative feedback's gonna spread through awesome. the neighborhood and here you come in. So here's my number. This has always been something I've worked with, 20%. So out of the 55 that closed in Saturnia Lakes, 55 listings, 10% absorption rate, right? I'm not 10% turnover rate. Out of the 55, is there one agent that listed and closed 11 of them? 20% of 55. Okay. Is there an agent that closed 11 properties in the last year? If there is, you might want to pick another neighborhood. Got it. But what you'll usually find, especially in, in the market that we're in, there's really nobody dominating. And there might be somebody that has 10%. So out of the 55 that closed, they got five or six right. closed sales. But listen, some 90% are being sold by somebody else. Right, right. That's where you can penetrate that market. And that's where you're going to come in by utilizing what is working for that top agent mm -hmm. that doesn't have 20% and then just pour gasoline on it. It could be better service. It could be that you give everybody drone uh, photo photography. It could be that you give everybody um, uh, their own independent website for their property, using mm -hmm. listings to leads or some of the marketing tools that are out there. Mm -hmm. But 20% pump the brakes. If they, if they are controlling 20% of the inventory in there that's closing, pump the brakes. I tried going into a neighborhood one time. This was back in 2006, I believe. And uh, I, I'm fearless, but I didn't look at the competition. I wish I would have, and here's why. I started bombarding the neighborhood with postcards, calls to actions, right? Literally, sometimes twice a week they were getting a postcard from me. When I go all in, I go all in. And I was one of the few agents at that time that knew how to create neighborhood websites. Think about it, it was 2006. Nobody was doing that. Nobody. I was creating individual neighborhood websites. So yes. I was getting, getting them from both ends. Postcards, website. Postcards, websites. Here's where I knew I made a mistake. I get a phone call. Hi, is this Derek? This is Derek. Hi, this is the president of the association. I just wanted to let you know, number one, remove me from your mailing list. Huh. Number two, just so you know, such and such sells all the homes in here. Such and such has lived in this neighborhood for over 20 years and has created more goodwill than you ever will. Wow. And I say, good day, sir. And I'm like, I hang up the phone and said, I just wasted a thousand bucks in marketing. Real. So I looked at the numbers, Anthony. This woman controlled over 50% of all of the closed transactions Jeez. every year. Like they wake up January 1st and it's like, I am not worthy. They don't even have to put signs out there anymore. And people are just sending her name around to everybody that if you want to sell a home in there, wow. you use such and such. So I knew that it was not a game I could win. I should have done my research before. And that's why I'm telling you now. 20% or less, you could win. You could win. You start getting above 20% market share by one realtor in a neighborhood. 
it might be, you might get a phone call. Yeah, I'm saying you gotta get a phone call yeah. from HOA president. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, the other thing, um, choosing the right farm, price point. I never understood agents. I always see agents all the time, and I never understood why they would complain. They would be like, just sold a home for eighty thousand dollars, a condo for eighty grand. Boo hoo! That's twenty four hundred dollar commission check. Mm-hmm. And that same agent would then send out a postcard, just sold to everybody that lives in the neighborhood, a dollar postcard, just sold, $84,000 condo. Are you thinking about selling your home? Listen, a week ago, you were complaining about the commission check you got on an $80,000 condo. Mm -hmm. But then you took your hard-earned money to try to get more $80,000 condos. And now you're upset about that? You created that. So here's the deal. Pick a neighborhood that is going to make your hair stand up a little bit every time you close a, 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 and get a commission check. Yeah. Pick a neighborhood that's going to make you happy. You know, and obviously I'm not going to say go to a, you know, million dollar neighborhoods because let's face it, only 7% of our entire population is a millionaire. So your market pool is going to be very, very small. But what am I, I am saying is what is that number? Do you get excited with a $300,000 deal? where maybe you get 3% and $9,000 commission check every time you close mm-hmm. a deal, does that excite you? Or maybe two fifty, Whatever it is, never, I don't care if you sold the property or not for eighty grand. Never, ever, ever market just sold on that $80,000 property unless you want more of that. And instead, take that dollar postcard and go apply it to the things that you do want to sell. Right. I, it, it's mind-blowing the agents that complain on one hand and then continue to market it in the other. They're asking for more of what they hate. Right? Yeah. Um, the next thing, last thing, on choosing the right farm. Can you afford the farm? Can you afford it? Remember, I said earlier, I need you to give me six months, minimum. Six months of postcards, six months of grinding it out, six months of visiting the neighborhood, becoming that resource for them. Um, out the gate, six months. Well, a dollar postcard once a month for Saturnia Lakes is 550 homes. That's $550 times six months of doing it. It's over $3,000. Do you have three grand right now? You want to start farming in the neighborhood? You Mm -hmm. want to farm Saturnia Lakes? Do you have three grand right now? Because guess what? When the phone don't ring after the first month, I need you to send that second postcard. I don't need you to think about how am I going to buy my groceries? Right. Okay. How am I going to pay for my oil change? I need you to keep that money there and run it through the six months because you will see results based on the consistency. I see agents all the time start something and they just never follow through or finish. This is one of those things that you cannot do that. Now, the other thing is, I just mentioned Saturnia Lakes. Some agents have visions of farming a neighborhood with 1,500 doors in it. Like, uh, example, Pelican Marsh. That place is a monster. Right. Do you have the money to send a dollar postcard to every door in that neighborhood? Right. 1500 a month, 2000 a month for some of these neighborhoods, yep. right? Yeah, yeah. Um, it, that will get costly. Now, obviously, there's more doors, so the numbers should all work themselves out. But I just find that most agents where they should start farming a neighborhood is find the right one based on what we just talked about. But find one you can afford, meaning... Maybe there's neighborhoods out there, uh, Laurel Lakes, 181 doors in that neighborhood. That means that 
you want to mail postcards or something out to them every month, it's 181 bucks. Mm -hmm. that's, that's affordable. Yeah. That's affordable. I would start at that level, and then once you get your proof of concept and you start getting some commission checks come in, mm -hmm. don't ever leave, let's say, Laurel Lakes. Go to a bigger neighborhood and do it all over again. Right. And that's where you start dominating a geographical area. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And I, and I think that's a beautiful thing that you talk about with the patience. Having the patience and understanding the numbers behind farming. Because, again, if you're trying to farm somewhere where you know in your life, personal life, you don't have to budget for it, yeah. doesn't make any sense. Absolutely, absolutely. The next thing you need is you just said budget, okay? You got to create a goal with your neighborhood farm okay, okay. from the get, and you got to create that budget. I would tell you right now, 20% um, of your marketing budget should go to your a neighborhood farm. Okay. Let me explain. You make. I always say that you need 20% of every commission check that you ever earn, mm -hmm. and this is why you should be at a 100% commission company, okay? Because it's very difficult to do with what I'm about to tell you right. at a company that takes 30% of your commission plus a 6% royalty fee. I believe you should take 20% of every commission check you get. I don't care if it's a $500 rental check or a $20,000 um, deal that you just closed. 20% should go into a separate bank account called marketing. So I'll give you an example. Uh, make $100,000 in commission this year, 20% should go into a marketing lead generation fund that you draw from each month. Think about it. 20 grand, you're never going to have a lead gener generation problem ever. Leads cost 10 bucks to 15 bucks a piece. Mm -hmm. That's going to be your seed money for all future years. Mm -hmm. And you just keep putting money into that lead generation fund. But out of that fund, where you took 20% right off the top, I want you to have another bucket where you take 20% of the 20% and put it into one called neighborhood farming. Mm -hmm. So in this particular case, you made $100,000 in your big marketing account, there's $20,000. Out of that 20,000, 20% of 20,000 is four grand. I need to have four grand into my neighborhood farming fund. Mm -hmm. And then you will... You just keep backfilling. Every time you close right. a deal, you backfill it into there. Now you've got the machine in motion. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. It totally makes sense. So I'll give you an example. Um, setting a goal. I believe a good goal right out the gate your first year is if you could sell or have 1% production out of every 100 homes in the neighborhood. 1%. So I'll give you an example. 500 homes in the neighborhood, I believe, if you do what we're going to go over, if you do this, a good goal your first year would be to sell five homes. Okay. Sell five homes. So 500 doors in the neighborhood, your first year goal should only be to sell five. I'm telling you that because some agents will look at it because, you know, they're, they're excited, right? They'll be like, I'm going to go sell 30 homes in the neighborhood this year. That's good, but I need you to be realistic on on, mm -hmm. the, on what I've seen from top agents, how they built their business. We don't want you to just go in there and burn out. At the minimum you should have is five. If you get more, great, but don't beat yourself up mm -hmm. uh, just because you got seven or eight. Right. Five is the minimum, okay? Basically, what I'm telling you is that 10% of all the neighborhood sales should be the goal for the first year, two years. 10% of all the neighborhood sales. So again, it kind of the math kind of works out, right? Mm, right. You have 500 homes. We want you to capture 1% of them as five. I told you pick neighborhoods with a 10% turnover. 
500 homes times 10% is 50. 10% of that is five, so the numbers still work out the same anyways. Correct, yep. Uh, but that's what I would do as far as creating goals. Now, experts get paid, and I want you to realize that, again, you're going to put in the time, you're going to be the farming, uh, farmer in the neighborhood, but your goal here is to become the neighborhood expert. You got to realize that you are paid based on the value you bring. If you want more income from that neighborhood, you must, you need to bring more value. So what does that mean? How do you bring more value? You've got to know, number one, how many homes are in the neighborhood? Yeah. Simple stuff like that. <laughs> how many active listings? How many pendant sales? How many close sales? What's the average days on the market? What's the average price per square foot? What's the average selling price in the neighborhood? What's the average square foot of all the homes that are in the neighborhood? Do you know all the eight different floor plan names? Do you know all of the neighborhood amenities, the HOA rules? Can they have a golden retriever? Can they have a pit bull? Maybe no, maybe both, right? You gotta know the rules and regulations. You gotta know the HOA fees. You need to know that Mr. Jones, four doors down, had surgery two weeks ago. Right. That's the level of expertise that you are literally going to be the go-to person if you can get to those levels. Uh, uh, um, yeah, I was going to ask you real quick because you talk about those great details and the common sense to me, right? But in your experiences dealing with agents and how, how many exude those traits you talked about when none. it comes to farming? None. They wow. Have, everybody has a can knee jerk reaction. I'll give you an example. So ho how's the real estate market? Good. It's great. Well, if you have in Southwest Florida, 15,600 people saying, good, it's great. How do you stand up? Yeah, I'll tell you with me, if somebody says to me, how's the real estate market? It is fantastic. Year over year between 2018 and 2019, right. we are up 18%. In fact, single family homes right now is the number one driver of that. And in fact, the Northeast region of Naples, Florida is booming. Let me explain. All of a sudden, that person that has asked that day, 20 realtors, how the market is, you're the only one that brought stats and facts to the equation. Sound like an expert. You sound like an expert, and it's not that difficult. You know, I know it's not that difficult. Every month, our local real estate boards sends out the monthly and quarterly stats of what happened last month. Right. Tells you the price per square foot. Right. Tells you the year-over-year -year increase or decrease. Read it. Study it. Mm -hmm. Become the expert on it. Um, so with that said, you've got to become the expert. Now, I would personally um, preview every listing. Here's a little trick. There's a little hack. A little lead generation lab hack. There we for go. Everybody. There for we go. free. For free. <laughs> um, I would preview all of the active listings in the neighborhood. But here's what I would do. You're going you're gonna to think this is scandalous. There's nothing illegal about it. Okay. When you preview a property, they, what does the listing agent ask you to do? They ask you to leave your business card on what? The counter. Okay. Yep. So I would leave my business card on the counter. But it would not be a business card of Derek Carlson, realtor. It would be Derek Carlson, realtor. But it would also be a customized business card for that neighborhood. And in big, bold letters, mm. it would say, as an example, Saturnia Lakes, your neighborhood expert. Right. It would have a dedicated, not DerekCarlson.com, oh no. 
it would have www.saturnialakesnaples.com or something wow. like that. Yeah. And I did, and there's nothing illegal about it. I would leave the business card on the counter, and guess who would get the phone call when that listing expired? <laughs> because the homeowner collects all of them like baseball cards. Right. And if everybody else has your stock business card of, I work for this company, I work for this company, I work for this company, and here's Derek Carlson's that is the assumption the man's got a Saturnia Lakes business card. Jeez, man. What do you think they're thinking if this listing goes expired? Well, they're going to give you the call exactly. first. Exactly. So that hack was free for anybody that's listening. Um, the other thing that I would do is to become a neighborhood expert. You should never be the last person to get information on the neighborhood. So I'll give an example. There was a, a fire in Laurel Lakes. Because it was a neighborhood that I would try to go after, um, I did all the farming stuff that we're talking about. But I didn't know about the fire. Wow, okay. I found out from people that I were talking to, and they would say to me, hey, what do you think about the fire down the street? And I'm like, um, um, um. Damn. As the neighborhood expert, that's not good. Yeah. So I encourage you, if you're farming a neighborhood, there's a thing called Google Alerts. Anytime there's a blog, a news report, a break-in, or whatever, I now have Google Alerts set up, for example, of Laurel Lakes, mm -hmm. Naples. Right. So I'll be alerted. If, if there's breaking news, I know about it first. Right. Because I want to be the one to call those neighbors and say, hey, I just want to call, see, are you okay? Did it affect your house at all? Is everything fine? And it's just, again, the neighborhood expert should be an expert at that level. And the tools are available for you to use, you know? And those are things that you talked about that successful uh, farming agent that it just builds goodwill within yeah. the community doing things like that. Yeah, I, I totally agree, Anthony. Now, effective ways to farm a neighborhood. The must-have tools, I believe. Number one, you need a website, a dedicated website. So I'll give you an example. Satonia Lakes, Naples, Florida.com. I, I don't want the consumer to go to that website and just to find a page about Saturnia Lakes. The entire damn website needs to be dedicated to all things and everything Saturnia Lakes. The Saturnia Lakes amenities, the Saturnia Lakes site map, the Saturnia Lakes floor plans. When you go there, it's got the rules and regulations. This is gonna be your mothership for Saturnia Lakes. Now, what website company would I use for that? Websitebox.com. Okay. 99 bucks, 99 bucks, one-time fee. That's all you'll need. It, you can have all the active listings on there, but you're going to build out very easily, very simple, a website dedicated to the neighborhood, Saturnia Lakes as an example. Right, right. The other thing I need is lead capture pages. Saturnia Lakes as an example, lead capture pages. Um, get your free Saturnia Lakes CMA report. Um, find out what your Saturnia Lakes home is worth. I need to build those lead capture pages quickly, effectively, that's not going to break the bank financially. The company that I would suggest is listens2leads.com. Now, obviously, for all the MVP realty agents, we give that to them for free. Mm -hmm. um, but even, I think it's $110 a month per person, per agent. Um, I still highly recommend it because we need you to build those lead capture pages because ultimately, when you're doing your social media, you're, you're doing all that, we want that to happen. There's other things on listens leads that you can do, like single property websites. So when you do get listings, you can have a website specifically towards that property. Right. So those, those are the tools that you need. Now, we're gonna go about this two different ways, three different ways actually. Uh, online marketing for the neighborhood, direct mail marketing, okay. postcards for the neighborhood, 
and then once a quarter, a neighborhood event, either at the uh, complex or away from the complex. Got it. So when it comes to neighborhood online marketing, you got to buy that domain name. Saturnia Lakes, Naples, Florida.com. You can get that at GoDaddy, right? Um, 12 bucks. Uh, you might want to get another one for Saturnia Lakes as an example. Uh, Satur- find my Saturnia Lakes home values.com or Saturnia Lakes report.com. Yeah. That's where you're giving away, get a free report on your marketing um, of all the active listings in Saturnia Lakes. Why is that important? Think about it. We're not talking about just dabbling in the neighborhood. I'm talking about domination. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Every seller is going to see these things that you're doing online. And they're going to type in Saturnia Lakes in Google, and there you are everywhere. The assumption is, is you have all the buyers. And why not hire the realtor to list my home that has all the buyers? Right? Does that make sense? Absolutely. So you've got to get a domain name. Then you've got to get that website box to create the neighborhood-specific website. 99 bucks. Then you can go to listings of leads, create a bunch of lead capture pages, whether it be on the buyer side or the seller side. You know, get your free home report, home value or whatnot. Mm -hmm. Okay? But here's the thing that you gotta remember, when it comes to online marketing, your websites is like a Ferrari. Beautiful car. Three, four, five hundred thousand, right? Do you like Ferraris, Anthony? Uh, I love them. I can't fit in them, though. But I, I, <laughs> I love them, man. I love them. The new Corvette that's coming out is going to be sick, too. But anyways, it's a beautiful car. But here's the problem. I don't care how pretty your website looks. I don't care how pretty that car looks. If you don't put gas in it, the car won't drive. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> if you don't bring visitors to your website through online marketing mm-hmm. and strategic marketing, you're not going to get any leads. So pretty, as nice as it looks, I have agents that spend five grand a year on website, um, uh, getting the website built and having it out there. They're like, I didn't get any leads, but it looks pretty. Yeah. Yeah, because you're not fueling it with any visitors, right? So I want you to keep that in mind. So basically, let's fuel up. Uh, Pour jet fuel on your online market and take notes. I'm going to go quick on this. Okay. Number one, I want you to create two YouTube neighborhood videos per week. And if you need to know how to do YouTube, just go back and listen to the YouTube podcast. And it's all about SEO ranking high. Mm -hmm. So two a week. I'm telling you, at the end of a year, I better see 100 videos on YouTube, the number two search engine in the world, on Saturnia Lakes. Got it. Simple. Uh, Number two, create one Facebook pay-per-click ads campaign per week for your neighborhood farm. Number three, create a Google ads campaign that runs consecutively, consistently every day, all all week, every week for Google ads. Post five Craigslist neighborhood listings per week. If you don't have listings in the neighborhood and there are listings on the market, get permission from the listing agent to market those. Create a Facebook business page for the neighborhood. Create a Twitter page for the neighborhood. And on both of those, all you're doing is posting listings and content about the neighborhood. If there's a, a, a community yard sale or garage sale, mm-hmm. you want to post about that. Right. If somebody in the neighborhood is uh, uh, looking for babysitters, you post everything and anything about the neighborhood on those platforms. LinkedIn as well. Instagram. Pinterest. 
you're going to go on a massive social media blitz using your website box and listen to lead stuff to really get the exposure out for the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Okay, does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I think a good source to get a lot of that information, I'm sure people know, is through the property management companies, you know, when they put stuff for the community. I, I guess getting good relationships, I'm just thinking automatically spinning my wheels because I think for me, farming is probably the way to go. Yeah. Uh, but just so much information and you have to be patient. Yep, you have to be patient. It's, and, and again, so I want you to, and again, we've done all kinds of marketing, Facebook marketplace and so forth on how to get uh, listings online for consumers. Uh, just go on a massive online blitz. Mm -hmm. Be consistent with it every day. 80% of your day should be on income-producing activities. I believe you should be spending at least 45 minutes an hour getting the message out about your farm online. Mm -hmm. Now, with that said, once we get through Facebook ads, Google ads, YouTube, all that, we're going to go offline. And the best thing that you can do for your neighborhood farm going offline is direct mail. Okay, This is where we're going to create a six-month postcard campaign to match our online message, mm -hmm. okay? So these these uh, consumers, you're hitting them up, you're hitting them up online, mm -hmm. the sellers are seeing it online, now we're gonna go offline. Mm -hmm. The six month campaign should look something like this. Number one, the first month, I want you to send out a postcard inviting the entire neighborhood to your brand new neighborhood website that you created on website box. So, first postcard, welcome to your brand new neighborhood website, SaturniaLakesNaplesFlorida.com. You mail that out to everybody in the neighborhood. Okay. Number two, the second month, I want you to have an open house extravaganza. Get somebody in the neighborhood, even if you don't have a listing yet, get somebody in the neighborhood that will allow you to host an open house. You mail a postcard out to everybody in the neighborhood, 12 to 4 on Sunday. You have cupcakes and coffee or something like that, right? Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, even maybe even on the postcard, put neighborhood homeowner VIP preview at 11.30. And when they get there, have something of good value to give to them. Gotcha. It could be a $2 book uh, on uh, motivation. It could be a CMA report that they can sign up for to get to learn the value of their home. Yeah. Something of value, but that's that's month number two postcard. Month number three, I want you to send out the postcard, what is your Saturnia Lakes home worth? And in fact, on that one, you have the third postcard, you have www.saturnialakeshomevalues.com. Go to that with arrows pointing to it. They type that in and it goes over to your listings and leads lead capture page right. where they can put in their address and now you're going to get that information and contact them with hopefully um, to not only give them a CMA report, but to hopefully get on a listing appointment for them. The fourth postcard, invite them to your YouTube channel to watch Saturnia Lakes market updates, statistics, facts, stats. And you know what I would do for that? Yeah. The domain name I bought for that was www.saturnialakesyt.com standing for YouTube. So when they open their browser, that would forward over to my YouTube channel URL. Wow, Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. All right. Month number five. I believe, and I'm a firm believer of this type of marketing. In month number five, you've already sent out four postcards leading up this. In month number five, you're going to send out um, 
a postcard saying your home sold in 30 days guaranteed. So not only are you basically already showing them that you're the neighborhood expert, but you're also telling them, listen, I'm not some chump that takes overpriced listings like the other chumps in here. Right. I put my money where my mouth is. And you're coming at them from a different angle. It's still you on the postcard. My home, your home sold in 30 days, guaranteed. Right. So they call you, ring, ring, ring. Hello, this is Derek. Hi, Derek, I'm John, and I live in Saturnia Lakes, and I just got your postcard. Um, how does your 30-day program work? Fantastic question, John. I'd like to come over um, and go over my entire game plan. Right. I need to tell you how I sell homes in Saturnia Lakes fast. You've been getting my other postcards, right, John? Absolutely. I've been getting them for months now. Fantastic. Can I, can I come over at 4 o'clock this afternoon or 3 o'clock tomorrow? Which one's best for you? Next thing you know, you're in there, and John says, so how does the program work? Fantastic question, John. Here's the deal. I brought with me a CMA report. Based on the stats and facts of what the general buying public is looking for homes in Saturnia Lakes, yeah. your home is valued at three forty-five, in my opinion, based on these stats, this CMA report, this comparative market analysis. Three thirty-five, man. Uh, three forty-five, man. I, well, what'd you think? I want to get three sixty-four. Well, the way my program works is if you allow me to go with the price that I came up with. I guarantee you I'll have it penned in in 30 days. And if I don't, John, I'll credit myself, I'll credit you and penalize myself wow. 1% at the closing table. You will get a credit back from me if I do not do my job. Right. And I'm promising, because we don't have time for games. I promise. And if I don't do it, on the HUD settlement statement, when I close this property, I'm going to put my money where my mouth is and you're going to get a credit. I, well, Fair enough? Yeah. But you got to go with my price. Well, I really think I can get 370. Well, John, I got two other options for you. Number one, let's get an appraisal on the property. Here's an appraisal. There's three or four of them. Pick any of them. I don't care. I will give you the guarantee and reimburse you for that appraisal, that 300 bucks on the HUD settlement statement, if we go with the appraised price. Okay. Okay. But here's what you're going to find. Most appraisers are going to come in lower, a notch lower than what you told them earlier. Right. So now you're even in a better position to sell it fast. Right, right. right? Um, the third option is, John, I know you think you can get 370 for the property. I can list your property for 370 However, I still believe it's worth 345 I obviously can't give you the guarantee, but here's what I'll do for you. We'll list it at 370 but in 30 days, I want to uh, have a $10,000 price reduction if we don't have it under contract. But there is no guarantee. But here's the thing, you already get yourself your foot in the door. You're in front of them when there's 15,599 realtors that are not. Right. And so it's just another way to play that game. Month number six, a community event postcard. Now what's a community event? It's goodwill to the community. Think about having a party, a block party where there's burgers and hot dogs and, and, uh, and, and water and soda and and uh, what's that, truly a white claw? Do you like white claw, Anthony? You know, I've gotten a, a little acquired taste for it, absolutely. <laughs> but I'd rather do the kid's event if yeah, it was up to so, me. So, it, so it's like a neighborhood barbecue, right? Maybe right. get a bounce house. But here's the beauty. Maybe hook up with a title company or a mortgage lender yeah, and makes... see if they'll help split three ways right. that 600 bucks. Talk about $200 investment. Yeah. They'll help you pay for the postcard for that event and they'll help pay for the event, mm -hmm. right? Um, another big one that I used to do is like, when the new Shrek movie came out, yeah, I, I would that. I would send a postcard to everybody yep. in the neighborhood, inviting them 
to the Shrek movie. Right. I'd, I'd, I'd um, go on like eventbrite.com, create the event. There'd be a URL that would say saturnialakeshrek.com. It would be forwarded over to the Eventbrite page. Right. They would RSVP, and then all the kids and their family would come to my private screening of Shrek or right. Star Wars or whatever. Uh, maybe one of the Marvel movies, right? That creates goodwill. And then what happens is, again, maybe you get a lender and title company to help out with the right. money. Right. You stand up uh, before the movie starts. I'd like to welcome everybody to uh, the private screening of Shrek. As you know, you've probably been getting my postcards in the neighborhood. I have a, a huge love for Saturnia Lakes. I just wanted to really say thank you for all. Um, anything that I can do to help you in Saturnia Lakes, yep. please consider me a resource. And that creates the goodwill. Now you become like that agent in the other, where I got kicked out of that neighborhood. Yeah, exactly. You become the go-to person, right? What I was going to say in your whole process here, when you go through the six-month process, what I noticed is... Something that you talk about all the time from your mentor, Gary Vee, jab, 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 mm -hmm. punch. So you jabbing them first month one. Given value. Two, given value. Month three. Given value. And then month four, pop, you give them the jab. Guaranteeing it. And okay, going back to the jab, an yep. event. So it's just, and you, it just seems that that's the cycle. And here's the beauty of it, Anthony. This is why I need six months. You can see there's a science behind mm -hmm. this. After month six, uh, go right back to week month one. Yeah. Go right back to month yep. two. That's the blueprint. Yeah. And here's the thing. Just to be clear here. That is the overall system for direct mail farming. In between, you're going to be getting just listed and something's going to sell, whether you get it on the buy side or the close side. Mm -hmm. You should be peppering them with just listed, just sold to kind of show them like, yeah, these six months are nice, but in between over and above this, you want to show proof of life. Wow. Meaning, hey... You've been getting these postcards, but in between, there's a new listing that he got in Saturnia Lakes. Oh, I just closed one in Saturnia Lakes. you got to do it's that amazing. over and above. Now, here's the thing. If an agent does this, the online blitz, <laughs> this six months, you can't tell me right. that they're not going to have success in that neighborhood. Or it, 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 at, least ha at least have the impression from a seller, a homeowner, to say, wow, I want to go to Derek Carlson, man. That guy's all over. Yeah. Yeah. That would be my impression with everything you just mentioned right now. Yep. And the, and the, and the last thing I want to leave, you, leave with Anthony is this, there's one other thing I want to talk about. Um, so that's how you farm a neighborhood via postcards and so forth. Um, but there's three other listing types that are going to come up. I don't care what you have to do. You must, I repeat, must get them. If you ever see an expired listing come in in your neighborhood farm, you got to get it. I don't care what it takes to get it. Mm. If it takes um, you to say, you know what, normally I get 7%, 6%. If you have to take a break on your commission a little bit to get that listen, do it. It's your farm. Every time another sign goes up, it's a, it, it, it's a, it's a punch in the gut to you. Right. you got to make sure that you get the most signs in the neighborhood. Even if it's overpriced? Even if it's overpriced. Mm. Even if it's overpriced. And, and, but here's the thing. You should, at this point, learn how to handle overpriced listings. And I'm not, I'm telling you, the worst thing you do is take an overpriced listing and tell the person, I promise you I'm going to get it sold at that price. As long as you're blunt and upfront, but like, listen, all the numbers say that the property's worth $450. i have showed you, we went on a little field trip of your, of your competition in the neighborhood. Right. Everything's $450. There's homes that are better than your homes home at $450. Why do you think I can get $509 for your property? Be blunt. Right, right, right. Put well, it on because, right. 
If you put it on them, like literally on them, and say, you know what? I, I'm, let's try it. Let's, I'll put it in the MLS for you, but here's the deal. I can't get you the drone. I can't do this because here's the thing. I'm telling you it's overpriced by $60,000, but again, Got it. put it back on them. Yep. Other one that you want to make sure you never lose out on is short sales or FISBOs. Anytime you see a short sale in the FISBO in that neighborhood, you've got to get your hands in on that. Absolutely. Take it as a personal loss if you miss out <coughs> on the three lowest lying fruits of listings. Right. Expireds, FISBOs, and short sales are the three lowest lying fruits. You've got to grab them, eat them, get the job done. Yeah, and then you talked about those in prior podcasts. So any yeah. any folks listening, we have a podcast on how to get expired and FISBOs and so forth like that. So amazing. Amazing work, Derek Carlson. I mean, I, I was really, my wheels were spinning here thinking about jumping back into the mix and selling some homes because I think this information is so invaluable. So I, I think, Derek, once again, thank, thank you again you, for, for the magic podcast. for the magic you always provide here and the information. You agents out there, you better grab this stuff, man, and take it in and apply it. And here's the thing. I'm going to actually ask, uh, first of all, thank you to everybody that's been listening to this podcast throughout the world. We've got, we've got uh, realtors overseas. Here's the deal. I believe, and I'm sick and tired of the failure rate in our real estate industry. That's why I spent so much time with you getting this content out. Mm -hmm. Share this. Don't be afraid to right. share this with everybody in your office. Share this with top producers, rookie agents. Share the podcast because, listen, an 80% failure rate, I can do what I can do. Um, I can point people like yourself that are listening into the right direction. But I need your help. Get the word right. out. Get the word out because you shouldn't have to go through the struggles. You want to be the top agent. You deserve to be the top Absolutely. agent. Absolutely. And again, share the podcast to as many people as you can because I'm telling you, based on the feedback, agents are making more money by implementing just even a handful right. of the hacks that we come up with on a weekly basis on the Lead Generation Lab podcast, the science, science of, of real, real estate, estate agent, agent marketing. marketing.